Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. I'm just so grateful. And so, so glad that we are here together before Christmas. Uh, Like Steve said, I'm flying out in the morning. And so for me, actually, Christmas is a holiday in the past that I've celebrated more so with my church family than with my like my birth family. And so uh, this is kind of new to me to like go home a week early before um, Christmas. I'm used to like Christmas Eve service, and I don't know what sorts of traditions you grew up with, but I am the last few years. I've done Christmas Eve with my church family, a Christmas, a big Christmas Eve party, and in the morning you all are together um, for a morning service. And so depending on what your traditions are this year, I hope that you have a Merry Christmas. Um, but this morning we're going to look at a pretty familiar story. And just before we do, we're going to read the beginning of John. Just before we do that, the words will come up on the screen. I have the powers in this wonderful clicker. Um, it is my favorite thing. I just, I think I just want to share just a bit about like personally, as you come around to, as I've come around to the Christmas season, um, I, I have just felt a bit not very holiday-y. And sometimes that feels like, is that okay to say? As a Christian, as you believe in Jesus and um, this holiday is, like our faith is built on Jesus coming into the world, being the light of the world. And so I love this season. In the past, this has been like a season that I just, I, I get so excited for. And yet this, the last few weeks, I have found myself just a bit dimmed or dull. And it feels like, can you say that? Can you admit that as a Christian? And um, I was sitting on my couch one morning, just having quiet time with the Lord, just you know, talking with him, reading some scripture. And I was looking at this candle, and I have a picture. Look at this. Um, I was looking at this candle in my room. This isn't the actual candle, but you get the you get the picture. Um, and it was it was low. It was small. And this candle in my room was burning to the very bottom. And I felt like what the spirit of God said to me was, "Kelsey, you're like this candle." And I kind of thought, "Well, that's not very encouraging." How, what am I supposed to do with that? And um, the Lord said, that's okay. You don't need to have a big fire on your own. Like I am the light of the world and I, I will keep your candle burning, so to speak. And this sort of metaphor, the Lord just has been speaking to me again and again. And it's been this real sense of, I don't need to fake it. I don't need to come in with holiday cheer at Christmas time. I don't need to just put a smile on my face because it is that time of year. I can be honest because what we read in scripture and what we're about to read is that when Jesus entered the world, people were in darkness. People weren't running around great and like, you know, almost um, like airplane, like helping, helping planes land. Like Jesus this way, like here are the lights, here's the runway, land here, Jesus. Like that wasn't what it was like. Jesus showed up and people didn't know that he was even being born. The light of the world had come and people weren't even ready. And so it felt like this the last few weeks, I've just been like this little candle burning to the end. And the Lord is like, I'm not worried about it. And I'm like, okay, 
I'm really glad you're not worried about it. And so however you've entered the Christmas season and how holly jolly it has been, or maybe not because Christmas and holidays can bring all sorts of emotions and all sorts of memories, the good news is that Jesus is the light of the world. And so this morning we're going to read this we're going to read a passage in scripture, and the writer John does this thing where he's talking about light and the word, and he's using all, these imag- all this imagery, but what's different is that John's not talking about just a metaphor. Metaphors are really helpful in, help, like, in giving us this sort of word picture, right? Like this sort of like candle. I feel like I'm this candlestick. But I will say when people ask me how I'm doing, I can't really reply. Like I'm like a candlestick burning to the end because that, yeah, that sounds a bit depressing. And what do you do with that? You know, so, it, but metaphors can, can also convey this, can convey something that you, sometimes you don't feel like you have words for. But what we're about to read in scripture is not a metaphor. We're reading something that is real and alive and is true. And so the words are going to come um, up behind me, I believe. Look at this. Oh, ooh, ah, the powers. Um, and so I'm just going to read. This is John writing. Um, if you're at all familiar with scripture and the Christmas time, you've probably read this passage, but here we go. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. Oh, hi. Yep, great. The light shines in the darkness and has not, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, but he came only as a witness to the light. And the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So there's quite a bit going on in this passage. And this morning, I just want to spend some time talking about Jesus as the light. And what is this? Why this imagery? And how is this so much more than just a pretty picture in the Christmas time? Because John isn't talking about a metaphor. He is illuminating something so that people can see Jesus coming and Jesus is here and that Jesus is alive. There's this season before Christmas called Advent, depending on the church tradition you grew up in or what you're used to. The four Sundays leading up to Christmas Day um, is the season of Advent where you build anticipation and you are waiting as if you are waiting for Jesus to come again with hope and expectation and anticipation. Um, and it is it's high expectation. It's a loaded time of year as you look forward to Christmas Day, Jesus coming, the hope of the world, the light of the world. And Advent itself in Latin means coming. 
And so this sort of picture of the weeks leading up to Advent is to mirror at the time in where John is talking about that in the beginning, like people have been waiting and waiting and waiting. It's the worker who hasn't had a, a break in years and finally is able to take a break and find rest and reprieve. It's the couple wedded, being in engagement, waiting to be wedded, counting down the days to their marriage. It's the patient waiting for that call from the doctor. It's the little kid asking, how many more sleeps, mom? How many more sleeps, dad, before... I'm going to get to open those presents underneath the Christmas tree. This waiting, this season of Advent leading up to Christmas Day is is highly loaded. It's loaded with emotion, loaded with anticipation. And in the church, sometimes we can approach Christmas and it just comes. And you just wonder, well, what am I wanting to come? What is supposed to be here? What am I waiting for? And John, John does something, John has brilliantly written this, that to our modern eyes and ears, we can miss it. But John has done something to span all this waiting with three words. And it's the first three words. In the beginning. In the beginning. And to a person at the time listening to John or reading this or hearing this, to a Jewish man or woman, that would transport them backwards immediately. Because in the beginning are the first three words of all of Scripture. There are this, it's this emotionally jam-packed phrase. It's like a parent telling a child, let me tell you about the day you were born. Let me tell you what it was like when my water broke. Let me tell you what it was like going to the hospital. Let me tell you what it was like. This would have transported them back. This was one of the most distinct phrases in Jewish culture. It shaped them. It shaped their minds. It was running around all the time. And and who they were and how they understood how the world worked started with this phrase. And how they made sense out of God and who they were in the world started with this phrase, in the beginning. And John knows what he's doing. He is intentionally starting within the beginning because people have been waiting since the beginning for Jesus, for a Messiah. And so for us in 2022, we also need to go back because it doesn't ring the same. We need to go back and understand what would have been heard? How would it have landed? John's talking about light, light coming. The light shines in the darkness, the light of all the world. What does that mean? What is light? Why is this important? Because he spends a lot of time talking about light and then like just shifts it to talk about another John and then shifts it again. And there's all this imagery to convey something. And if we don't go backwards, then we're going to miss it. So we're going to do something. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning of Scripture, and I'm going to go pretty quickly through a few key passages of what, how this, these, this language would land with an early Jewish person in the time. Now, I have, um, you're welcome to follow along in your own text, but I'll have the words also behind me um, so that we can kind of span a bird's eye view through the Old Testament and how this would have been received. And so we're going to go back to the very beginning to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, 
and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. So the first thing, one of the first things God does is create light. Vital. Think about it. All of human history, we have needed light to to do anything. You cannot do anything without the sun. We like it so much that we've put it on our phones, a torch, so that you can always have light around in case you're ever in the dark. We don't like darkness. It's in our nature. It's not for us. And so we've done something to put human light as close as we can, and it's on our smartphones. We like light. And so from the very beginning, one of the first things God does is let there be light. And then you have an exodus. As as God has freed the Israelites from the slavery of Egypt, what he does is he gives them a pillar of fire. By the day, the Lord went went ahead of them in in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night, in the darkness, by night, in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or by night. He's lighting their way to freedom. The Exodus story is pivotal, is massive to an early Jewish person. This idea of freedom and God being their way of freedom and God lighting their way of freedom in the dark would would ring true to them. As John is talking about, Jesus has come, the light of the world has come. And then we have, there are so many verses within Psalms. David, who writes a bunch of the Psalms, there are so many verses, but these are just a few. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. And this is David again. Send me your light, your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. And again, Psalm 119. This is pretty famous. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Remember this imagery of light leading somebody, leading people, practical, not this ethereal dream, not this, you know, just nice picture, real light leading their way in their history. Light led them to freedom out of the slavery of Egypt and yet again is used to talk about leading them forward. And then you have prophets in the Old Testament who talk about how God is a light and how God will be recognized. And so in Isaiah, people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of darkness have seen a light has dawned. And then later in Isaiah, he writes, this is is as if God is speaking, my justice will become a light to the nations. Meaning how people will recognize me how they'll be able to see me, right, we see because of light, is because of God's justice, because of him making wrong things right. And then again, the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of sorrow will end. These are weighty, heavy, and real promises attached with light. And so when John, in the beginning, is talking about how the light of the world has come. It's not just this pretty metaphor. He is reminding them of a promise that has carried them through generations and generations and generations. He's addressing and he's talking to their real questions. Has God forgotten about me? Does God see my pain? Does God know my suffering? Doesn't God see this injustice? Doesn't God see I'm lonely? 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's not a metaphor. It's a promise. Most, um, most books, most stories, most good movies involve some sort of storyline around light and darkness, right? We, we know this, and, and some of them are like, you know, Batman versus Joker, um, the White Witch versus Aslan the Lion and Narnia, the Grinch versus, I don't really know who the Grinch is against, if it's like the whole, t- yeah, I mean, it is, it's like everyone is a Cindy Lou Who, but, um, you know, the Grinch, and if you're most people, as you watch these movies, as you watch light versus dark, unless you are um, your own version of crazy, you're rooting for the good team, right? And, and in that, you're wanting the good to win, the light to win. And, and you kind of know, like you watch the movie, you watch The Grinch, and you're like, we know, Grinch, you're not going to steal Christmas. And we know Aslan in, in Narnia, you're not going to, you, like Aslan, you're going to win. Um, but in our own lives, sometimes it's harder to see where the light is in the midst of paying bills and putting food into mouths and making deadlines at work, caring for sick family members, suffering with chronic illnesses. It can be hard and challenging to see where the light is. And John, I think John, is a t- he would be terrible in the year 2022 as a Hollywood movie writer because what he does from the very beginning of this text is he gives the ending away. He doesn't take you on a journey of ups and downs and your heart beating really fast, like who's going to make it and I don't know, are they going to survive? He doesn't do that. He tells you from the get-go that light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. He gives away the ending from the very beginning. And I think he's doing this very intentionally to show us and to be very clear, to have confidence and assurance that this light will not be overcome, even when you're not positive that that's true. People at the time would have been waiting generations and generations and generations, 400 years of waiting. That's just between the last prophet and Jesus coming. That's not even talking about the generations before that, waiting for this promised land, waiting for the complete redemption of Israel. That's just 400 years of waiting, of of nothing hearing from the Lord. And so people at the time, they knew what waiting was. And we know what waiting is. We're waiting. And what are you waiting for? What are you wanting God to do? And this same picture of Jesus being the light is not just a metaphor to to carry us through a hard day. It is a promise. And this promise is not this hokey, mystical, ethereal feeling. This promise is a person, a person for all people to be the light of the world for all nations, to be a true light, to give light to everyone. And he has become flesh. He is real. And he's come to live among us. 
And he's come to illuminate our hearts and to reveal who God really is and to show us that the light is here. The light that, that created everything in the beginning became light and one day we'll continue to light our way forward and then one day we'll be our only light. The same God, that same God that created the world, led people into freedom, continues to lead people into freedom, continues to reveal injustice and illuminate a way forward and to offer compassion, this light doesn't return void. This is not just a metaphor. This is a promise that we hold on to because we need to be reminded that Jesus hasn't just come once, but Jesus will come again. And in Revelation, I click through, ding, 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 ding. The very end of, of the scriptures, there's this book called Revelation. It freaks people out because we don't really know what to do with it all the time. But at the last bit, if you ever get the chance, like Revelation 21, 22, read it. It's powerful. And there is this, this is where light is so powerfully packed through scripture because it goes from front cover to back cover. Here is the promise before us. There will be no more. This is when Jesus has fully come back to um, earth and heaven and earth are completely unified. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of the lamp of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord their God will be their, it says them, but be their light. And this is, there is some imagery happening here. It is literal in that there is no night and we will not need a sun and we will not need electricity and we will not need a fire to light our own way. God himself will be our light and our way to see the way forward and see life. But this idea of there will be no night, the writer of Revelation is saying there will be no night, there will be no darkness. There'll be no more destruction. There'll be no more hunger. There'll be no more domestic violence. There'll be no more isolation. There'll be no more depression. There'll be no more racism. There'll be no more evil or darkness in this world. The light has come and the darkness will not overcome it. And so we don't just see it in Jesus. We see it at the very end, at the very end of all of this. This is our hope. This is what I long for. This is what I long for, that there would be no more night. Families separated, kids alone and orphaned, people unsure where to go for dinner. I long for that day. And I'm so excited for when it comes and what I know is that in the meantime, the Lord has given us light to remind us that we are carriers of light to rid the world of darkness, that we hold heaven within us. And so as heaven comes to earth, we get to push back darkness. We get to push back destruction. Internally, personally, in friendships, and families, in communities, in organizations, in societies, 
human kingdoms, we get to push them back so that God's kingdom can advance through us. The same person that created light and became light is our only light. It's not just a metaphor. It's a beautiful promise that I am holding tightly to. And so this morning, where do you feel like you need light? I think as God has talked to me about my candlestick being low, I've, I've gotten this great encounter again and again with the Lord continuing to be my light and me not trying to generate my own sort of power or strength, but God giving me his, his light. Where are you today? What does your candlestick look like? Where do you need light? Are you feeling a bit dim? Is there someone else that comes to mind? Because we're not just talking about a metaphor. And it's not just a story we tell ourselves as Christians every year. It is a real person, Jesus, that we find our hope in. And we trust him to light our way forward. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.